The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you living a wellness lifestyle? What could it do for you? Join us today on the Wellness Lounge a step further and see how our guests and direction can inspire you to self-empowerment through a wellness lifestyle. Now, here is the host of the Wellness Lounge a step further, Desiree Watson. Hello again, and thanks so much for tuning in. We have a very exciting show for you today, Uh, but as always, I am humbled by the fact that so many listeners from around the world uh, are listening into uh, the Wellness Lounge a step further. So just a little background on who we are. The company is Wellness Interactive, and the Wellness Lounge is our signature brand. We're located at 14 South Orange Avenue in South Orange, New Jersey. And uh, through this show, it's my belief that there were so many people doing amazing things around the world and right here in the United States, and they may live right next door to you, and you may not have any idea what they're doing. So uh, I love to bring on guests that can empower us and enlighten, enlighten us to take it a step further. So, again, I'm humbled that uh, many of you, Thailand, uh, China, all over Europe and Canada, South America, are tuning in to listen to us take it a step further. So on that note, I'm very excited about this guest. She is absolutely wonderful and amazing. And full disclosure, I have known her for quite a few years, so I'm humbled by the fact that she's going to join us in a minute or two to enlighten us. So Tracy L. Splatton is the author of Fallen and Cold Light. She's a graduate of Yale and Columbia. She lives in Manhattan, and her love for Renaissance Italy inspired her historical novel, Immortal. And her contemporary vampire art history mystery, The Botticelli Affair, Fallen is the first in a romantic trilogy set during the end times, Cold Light and Far Shore Further the... Further the Tale, Dancing in the Tabernacle is her first book. I'm going on because she's written 11 books. And I, I, I personally, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm amazed just reading it. She also wrote a sculpture book, The Art of Life with Her Husband, which we'll find more about when she, uh, you know, speaks. The Love of My Other Life is a bittersweet romantic comedy that addresses the question, what worlds would you move to be with your soulmate? Oh, I can't wait to talk to her about that. Her latest book is a manual for do-it-yourself selfers entitled How to Write, Publish, and Market Your Book Yourself, a manual for the courageous and persistent. And she, indeed, is courageous and persistent. Welcome, Tracy L. Slatton. Thanks so much for joining us, Tracy. 
Hi, Desiree. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I am too. So I'm, I just have to jump right into all of this. You you have written 11 books, which uh, it, it's just quite amazing because uh, uh, when you think of writing, this uh, uh, is something, or, or could be something, because you can enlighten us in this space. When you think of writing and uh, what you do, uh, author, and you're helping others to publish books, give me a, a little sense of where you were as a child. I mean, were you writing as a, a very young child? I know that uh, uh, at 16 uh, you began college. Uh, is that correct? Yes, I was accepted early to Yale and, and went off early. Um, oh, my God. Kid, so what is your preparation for – what was your preparation? Was that something that you think uh, uh, you worked on uh, for many years prior to 16? Or uh, Obviously, it's a gift, but where does that space begin for you? Because we're all enlightened and empowered by our own navigation uh, blueprint, <laughs> how we navigate things in life and our seal, our blueprint. So tell us more about who you were as a young person. Uh, maybe, uh, who knows, uh, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, middle school, it doesn't matter, but just let us know, were you interested in writing at all? I was. I was writing poetry from a very early age and stories, and I was creating books out of um, cardboard to make them you know, look oh like God. books and inserting stories inside them. I just... I just was burning. I went in first grade when I was six years old. I went from reading Sea Spot Run to reading a real novel within a few months. Wow. I fell in love with reading. It's still with me today. You know, my happiest moment of the day is at the end of the day when I can drop into bed and pick up a book that I'm fascinated by. And I just, you know, I love books. I always have. Oh, my God. That's awesome. (laughs) So do you think – uh, when you, when at the time when you were young in kindergarten, were were you inspired maybe by a parent or a relative? Uh, what does that look like? Who who gave you your first book? Well, I, you know, I, I had very humble and difficult, um, a very humble, difficult beginning to my life. And but the good thing was that my father was always reading, always, always. Oh, reading. see, and, yes. Yes. And my mother was a kind of a lifelong learner person, so she would be early to bed, like 8.30, and early to get up, like 4.30 or 5. And when I would get up in the morning, she would be reading something. And often, you know, she was a high school dropout, but when I would get up, especially in high school and junior high, she would be reading my textbooks. Oh, so my she, gosh. There was this kind of feeling in my home that books were good and books were important, and that, that was very supportive you know, in spite, you know, mm-hmm. my dad was in the military, we moved around a lot, and I would miss gaps. I'd be in three different schools one year, and I would miss something, and I would have to teach myself. So, and I did that by reading, and just by, like, when I missed multiplication, I got a math book and just taught myself how to do it. So wow. the the positive thing about moving around a lot and going to a lot of different schools is that I learned how to be flexible and how to be resourceful Mm -hmm. and I learned how to teach myself and I guess the most important thing I've ever learned my whole life is how to teach myself something. Oh, that is awesome. I love it. So, uh, oh, (laughs) so eloquent, of course. 
Um, when you think about uh, where we are now, uh, 2015, and uh, you think about uh, uh, the challenge of getting uh, young people or even families uh, to really read and embrace uh, the idea of, uh, you know, uh, writing is beautiful, books are beautiful, all of this is beautiful, and how the idea of how to continue what you have done and the idea that you can teach yourself, you can teach yourself how to do so many things. What would be that uh, blueprint for 2015? If you have some uh, conversation that you would share with your own uh, uh, young children or uh, families, what can, can we do to really uh, get families and kids and everyone to, to read again? Because I think you know that it's, it's a little challenging for a lot of the publishing world and uh, a lot of things are digital, but people aren't reading. Uh, is there an idea that, um, you, what you can, that you can help us to empower uh, uh, us with uh, what you have done and fast forward placing in a 2015? What would be that blueprint for you? Well, that's those are that's a great question, and you've made a lot of great points, Desiree. And uh, I noticed a few years ago that I was getting very involved with my iPad at night, and also that so I would use be on my iPad reading articles or answering emails or you know watching Netflix. And I finally one day I just sort of woke up and said, I will miss out on the books that I love if I continue to do this. So it's I'm, mm. I just made a point of putting down my iPad and picking up a book. And I do like to read on my iPad. I read on I read um ebooks and I read print books. I prefer print books because I like the sensual experience of holding a book and smelling mm. pages and wow. you know, and with our we have my Sabin and I have a 10-year-old daughter and a few years ago, yeah, you know, she was sort of borderline ADD and one of the uh, part of the advice we were given was to keep her off of screens. So we did mm-hmm. no TV, no screens, mm-hmm. and what it has, she replaced, first she complained. But what right, she did, she absolutely, they all books. do. <laughs> we all do. It's we addictive. Do. You know, iPads and iPhones, smartphones are addictive. You could just be on them continually, but they don't nourish you. You know, yeah, it's not going to nourish your soul the way exactly. a book will. A book will nourish your soul. Wow. Well, you know what? Uh, gosh, hats off to you and Sabian for doing that because, you know, our, our kids are relying on us to take it a step further, and they don't know. Um, and, and we all use technology, and I was definitely in that same space uh, that um, you were in, you know, the, the iPads. It, it's just it's overwhelming at times, but then you know, I felt that, wow, Something's missing here. <laughs> Something's missing, and, and to me, it was just uh, being uh, empowered in my own space to slow down. Because you look up, the time is gone. You're going, oh my gosh, was I on this <laughs> this gadget for how long? It just wipes out. So imagine a young child. So heads up to you. That's just beautiful that um, you decided to take uh, you know some of uh, the screen time away. So well, it it. Mm-hmm. it it makes you rely on mindfulness. I think screens mm. are attractive and addicting and fun and useful, but they take away mindfulness. Ooh. And then you end up hurtling through your life without thought. And I, so I, wow. 
you just have to have this, you know, a discipline, like a discipline to eat well, discipline to exercise regularly. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't take those things for granted. Are you mm-hmm. eating vegetables every day? Are you mm-hmm. eating healthy proteins? Are you eating healthy fats? Are you mm-hmm. getting off of screens and picking up a book? Right. You know, it's just oh, about mindfulness wow. in your life. Wow. And you you just, uh, uh, thank you for that. You just uh, really uh, embrace the fact that uh, you're in a space, you you have a young daughter at 10, and you're you're embracing the idea of where we're going to be in the future, I think, you know, that we'll all be forced to uh, really address mindfulness. Mindfulness is such a, a beautiful space to be in, um, and it, which takes me to uh, some of uh, your, your writings. I want to talk um, about uh, some of your choices um, in your books and, and what you're writing about uh, um, and what you have written about, and one in particular is... Uh, Science and Spirituality, and, oh, gosh, I just love most of the titles, like The Art of, uh, you know, uh, the, the Art of Life, Immortal, Broken. When you're gathering your thoughts, your brilliant thoughts, because I do feel, I, I don't say this lightly, but I do feel that you are absolutely gifted and brilliant. Oh, good, um, thank you. When, when you're uh, thinking about your next book, and what space you'd like to be in uh, uh, to write this book and bring it to all of us. Uh, science and spirituality, for example, pops out to me, for me. And this is something that um, we all take for, for granted. And uh, science and spirituality, I don't know. I have not written your, read your book. But science and spirituality, to combine both of those together in a writing, I can't wait to, to, of course, read it. Tell us what um, this balance is for you, and what you all, what you would like us all to um, uh, get from this amazing uh, book. It's science and spirituality. Oh well, thank you. And you know the the sub the main title is piercing time and space, and the subtitle is um, the meeting of science and spirituality. And right, remember, sorry. About that. Yeah. You and I, because you and I did some things together, I was I had a healing practice for about a decade. I was a hands-on healer. And in the process of learning hands-on healing, and I read everything I could find about science and spirituality because I wanted to – science works. It works good. We have computers. We have TVs. We put mm-hmm. people on the moon, you know, unless you believe the conspiracy theorists who say we didn't, but I kind of think we <laughs> did put them up there. So we have this science that works good, but I think we can't deny this other part of us, this intuitive part, this non-local awareness part that is so much bigger than simply science. So my question has always been, well, where did they meet? How can science prove spirituality? How can spirituality embrace science? So I started reading about Edgar Cayce, um, who was, uh, they called him the sleeping prophet. He gave tens of thousands of readings that were recorded, and he would go to sleep and diagnose uh, somebody who was sick and give a treatment and in all but he was incredibly accurate like over way over 90 percent it was fascinating if you read them um, his his wow. diagnoses were so i started with edgar casey and it was the are which is the association for research and enlightenment and they are um, the offshoot of the edgar casey um, people 
they they you know sponsored this book that I wrote, and I also profiled William Tiller, who's a physicist. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Rupert Sheldrake, who's this kind of radical British biologist, and I sort of profiled the way they all intersect in this field, this big field of intelligence and awareness and mindfulness. And some people might call it like God or the mind of God, or George Lucas mm-hmm. called it the force, you know, but there's this giant field, this eternal, uh, um, unending field of information, that, and it's not out there. It flows through us because we swim in it like fish swim in the water. Oh, I love that. we have access to it. So some people have called it the Akashic Records, and um, I think Tiller calls it the quantum domain, and, you know, Rupert Sheldrake writes about the morphogenetic field. So there is this place where science and spirituality meet, and people have written about it. Lynn McTaggart wrote this great book, The Field, and... Um, you know, there's a lot of information out there, but you begin to see that we are much more than just our physical body. There's more mm-hmm. to us. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I'm interested in that. And I think that how does it feel for fiction. you then? How, how does it feel for you? The science we know uh, is, as you just mentioned, you know, science, it's, it's proven every day. So when you as, as a person who is already empowered, I believe is empowered. Well, How does I that think feel for you? Empowerment is a practice. Empowerment is a practice for every day. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, mm-hmm. you know, it's like enlightenment. You practice or yoga. You do it every day. Yes. Yeah. So that's part of the uh, for you. Is that part of the spirituality balance? Uh, understanding the science of it all, and and you can write about it, and then uh, the practice of empowerment it, is that part of. Uh, the foundation for spirituality. There, there are many components I, I know, but for you, in writing this book, where's that space? What does that space mean for you, spirituality? That's a really good question because I've sort so, of been So moment. then do me a favor, one moment, hold that okay. thought then because uh, we're going to have to break for a commercial. I hear the music okay. and unfortunately we're going to have to break for a commercial, but we're excited to have Tracy L. Slotten, and she's going to engage with us once again with science and spirituality, and we'll be back in a moment. Thank you for tuning in. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Domestic violence and abuse are experienced by both men and women in everyday life. If you have experienced abuse, know that you're not alone on your journey. Listen for Abuse Survival Stories presents I Reclaim My Voice with co-hosts Reese Zigazaga and Denise Watkiss. We'll speak with survivors who have emerged safe and victorious and who are passionate about helping others reclaim their voices. Tune in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Spiritual transcendence unfolds when we fully align with body, mind, and soul. Then, transcend darkness into light. Each week, make transcendence, wellness through awareness, part of your life. Join host Jessica Allstrom and her guests as we explore your spiritual education and powerful tools 
in order to help you live your most joyful and prosperous life. You'll want to be here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You're tuned in to the Wellness Lounge, a step further, with host Desiree Watson. To find out more about our programs, please visit our website at www.wellnessinteractive.com. That's wellnessinteractive.com. Now, back to the show. Thanks for joining us again, and we are speaking with Tracy L. Slatten. She's the amazing author and Actually, she also uh, has a great company. They publish uh, uh, books uh, for other great authors as well, and she'll speak more about that uh, later. But let's get back to science and spirituality and what that feels like for you, uh, Tracy, because um, I have this sense of empowerment for myself and you may feel empowered, uh, and I don't know, just uh, tell us uh, how, how do we get there and stay there for our listeners. They may want to know uh, how to take it a step further. How, how do you balance that science and spirituality for yourself? Well, that's interesting. Well, I do think empowerment, as I said a few minutes ago, it's a practice. It's a daily practice. I don't think it's a state um, that I'll ever sort of get there and linger, like standing on the ledge. I think it's mm-hmm. more something I'm working at every day, like a yoga practice or like making sure I mm-hmm. eat healthy every day. Uh, I guess when I think about science and spirituality, I go back to the teachings of John Paracos, who was a teacher of my healing teacher, Barbara Brennan, and he was a student of Wilhelm Reich. And his fundamental premise is that the human being is a psychosomatic unity. Mind, Mm. body, spirit, psyche are one indivisible unit. So if you affect the mind, you affect the body, the spirit, the psyche. If you affect the spirit, you affect the mind, the body, and the psyche. They're all completely integrated until... They're not integrated anymore, and we call that physical death. So when I think about science and spirituality, I think about this multidimensionality aspect to our own unity. And so for me to practice empowerment every day, I guess what I do is I think, you know, I try to review at the end of the day, well, did I feed my body correctly? Did I feed my mind? You know, feeding my mind is always reading books for me. But <laughs> listening to people. Which is great. <laughs> you know, did I feed my mm-hmm. spirit? You know, did I pray? Did I meditate? Yes. Did I chant? Did I just take a walk in nature and just feel the fullness of the earth? Because that is itself its own spirituality. Did I feed my psyche? You know, did I give a hug to my daughter? Did I tell my husband I love him? Did I, um, was I able to confide? in a friend or to receive a confidence in kind of a neutral loving space. So, uh, you know, empowerment for me goes back to this unity of the psych, the psychosomatic unity of the human being and making sure that I've nurtured every aspect of who and what I am. Oh, that's so eloquent. Beautiful. Because we speak uh, uh, a lot about the whole mind, body, spirit, and, um, I think uh, what you just mentioned, it, it's the balance of it all. And the, it, for me, uh, 
the spirituality is, if I had to look at all three of them, that definitely comes first. You need to be grounded in faith or some, uh, uh, to the God of your understanding or just some spirituality com- component to help balance that whole physical and the mind. And, you know, um, it brings me to the question of when uh, young people, uh, I'm always focused, on, I always say I love my young people and my, and my elderly, you know, I love everybody, but please, please embrace the young people and the elderly. So as, as our young people are in a space that, um, uh, allows them to be any place in the world uh, through their ga- gadgets, of course, allows them to be any place in the world. Um, is there uh, something that can enlighten them to embrace the balance of science and spirituality? Because we send them to school, and this is not necessarily something that uh, the teachers or uh, the, the school, <laughs> the curriculum is going to teach. Is there something that we can begin with, uh, with doing at home with young people as they are growing? Because uh, this is all changing before our eyes. You know, science and, and spirituality. What does that mean? I, I can't even imagine our grandparents, our, our grandchildren, or your grandchildren, what they're going to embrace or have to embrace. Is there something that um, you think uh, is, can be empowering for a young person or for us to lead the way to help them in this space at all? Well, there's two, two things, I think, about that. The first of all is each person has to choose it for themselves. And the second is mm. when my older two daughters, who are 24 and 20, were little, I did this thing for a number of years called Spirituality Five Minutes. And at the end of the day, for five or ten minutes, I would read to them from a spiritual text, the Bhagavad Gita, the, um, um, you know, the book of Genesis, uh, Mm -hmm. Holtec Wisdom, any kind of wisdom book, uh, you know, Native American folk tales, uh, anything. I would read to them for five or ten minutes and try to discuss it with them. Now, they would make fun of me ferociously for the entire time. (laughs) Ferociously. But then, recently, my middle daughter, who's in college, texted me and said, I'm reading the Bhagavad Gita in my lit class. Oh, my God. Was, and I remember spirituality five minutes. So, wow. you know, you can do this stuff with your kids. And I have, you know, I've come from two different religions, and, uh, and I have a great respect for most religions and yes. for most people's private practice. And yes. so I have this very eclectic, I don't believe God cares what religion you are. I don't think God Thank cares you. at all. People care. <laughs> You're, the people in your life care what religion you are, and that's why people use religion as a means to discriminate and hate each other mm-hmm. because they exactly. care. God doesn't care. Oh, the oh I love care. it. Yes. So oh my gosh. I was reading, right when I was reading to my kids, I said, "Okay, we'll read the Torah. Okay, we'll read the Book of John. Okay, we'll read the Bhagavad Gita. Okay, we'll read from the Vedas. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it was, I wanted them to have an eclectic understanding." of the commonalities, of some of the beautiful commonalities mm. in religion. And I think, you know, they make fun of you because that's what kids do. But eventually they, it kind of resonates. And the other thing is, you know, kids are, you know this too because you have grown daughters like I do, but 
they they choose for themselves. And so many of the things that you want them to do as kids, they don't do for a long time. And then they're either going to circle back around to it because they've chosen it or they're not because they're different people. So Beautiful. all you can do, I think, yep. is provide your kids with the opportunities to learn and experience and then, you know, have have faith. And sometimes your kids don't turn out the way you want them to. And sometimes they do. And it's, you know, and they do, but to your point, they will circle back around, you know, I, and I love that about watching, you know, our kids grow because sometimes they, they can't actually, um, you, you know, the brain is not uh, really fully developed anyway until they're, what, 22 or something. So just the idea that uh, your, your daughter can call you up and say, hey, you know, I'm reading. They, they don't forget, you know, the, the beautiful things and the good things. They don't forget. So, oh, that was so, oh, my gosh, so eloquently said. So now take us to uh, the books, uh, your publishing company, and tell us more about uh, – uh, the books that you would like uh, to publish, uh, I'm sure, or, or I don't know, is there uh, something we need to uh, think about uh, if we're asking or sending in something for uh, uh, publishing, uh, for you to publish? Um, well, I do welcome submissions. I started a small independent press called Parvati Press um, in about... I don't know, four or five years ago now. And for a while I was just publishing, you know, myself and my husband. And then I decided to expand the press and take on other authors. And I um, have a vision for it, kind of the the vision I have that's not on my website, which is parvatipress.com. The vision I have is that everyone gets a voice. Because mm. um, I feel like the big publishing, the big traditional publishing companies right now, uh, you know, are publishing so much stuff that's just not very good, and they, they're not publishing mm-hmm. diverse stuff, and uh, I think they're trying, they're increasingly doing what the big Hollywood studios are doing. They're focused on branded franchise entertainment that kind of yeah. appeals to the horny, nerdy uh-huh. teenager in us all. So I want to provide an alternate, mm-hmm. and luckily there's all these small presses that are springing up to do exactly what I'm doing, which mm-hmm. is to offer an alternative and to offer books that are more diverse and less categorizable in an easily categorized box, which, you know, because the big publishing companies, you know, are run by marketing departments that are looking for a business school algorithm to turn every book into a bestseller right out of the starting gate. And so they're (laughs) overlooking books of immense richness and diversity, but that just aren't easily quantified and calculated and categorized. So, um, So my first book by another author is this wonderful book called Coming Into Balance, A Guide for Activating Your True Potential, and it's by Dr. Jane Eli, who's a a master healer and a a teacher of indigenous wisdom and just this sort of extraordinary and enlightened person. Um, And I actually interviewed her on my radio show last week, and it was a lot of fun. And Mm. she, you know, so her book uses the teachings of the medicine wheel, to help people come into balance with themselves, find the balance wow. of science and spirituality in their own being. And so she's teaching using this indigenous wisdom as a tool for helping people become their fullest self and live their fullest life. And so that it's really amazing to an extraordinary person someone like Jane and publish her book and mm-hmm. um you know, and so on my website, on the Parvati Press website, it says, you know, bringing the human back into humanity. And that's kind of... Oh, I love it. But we're wow. starting slowly with other authors, and I'm, you know, kind of taking on 
books that I really feel passionately about and really love and feel that are going to give back to people. Riley, Riley, oh, I love that. Give back to people. Give back to the communities of uh, the space of just being well, you know. And I think, uh, yeah, we can do that. We can do that through, um, well, just having people like yourself uh, on a mission, on a goal to take it a step further and uh, just, oh, gosh, bring balance to uh, our society, really, because uh, we've become so commercialized that uh, I think uh, a lot of our, our young people or even, you know, the adults, it's, it, you don't know what to reach for because it's constantly commercialized. So this is such a, a great uh, uh, space that you're in to publish, uh, you know, amazing uh, books. So I, Well, this is I, the balance. You know, you talked about our society and our culture being out of balance. So, okay, so the big Hollywood studios, the big legacy publishers have turned into these, you know, commercial machines turning out, you know, yeah the same stuff over and over again. Yep. So what has happened is independent filmmakers are going out and making these wonderful, you know, quirky, unusual independent films and small They're awesome, are bringing up amazing films that are coming out independently. I love that. Right, I do too. It's the, this is the balance. So what the big companies won't do because they're, you know, mass marketed and focus grouped into bland, you know, junk basically. <laughs> now the independent people are doing the independent publishers, the independent filmmakers, and it's we have these new technologies in publishing. We have the print on demand and e-publishing technologies. You know, so there's this, you know, renaissance. It's the biggest. The e-publishing and print-on-demand is the biggest sea change in publishing since the invention of the Gutenberg Press. This really? Year, we are at this pivotal moment in publishing. Wow. Um, and we're doing it right at the moment when people are most seduced away from books by their, their smartphones and iPads and devices. And I think it's so fascinating. I'm really curious. I'm eager. Ooh, I am, too. Where this is going. <laughs> you know, what will unfold? It's really cool. Wow. Oh, I can't wait. I love this idea. I didn't realize it. it I, I knew it was big, but wow. That, uh, but I, I love the way you um, have uh, enlightened us with uh, all of what uh, the industry, the film industry is doing, and then, you know, the publishing industry. I mean, because that's so important. Uh, you can wake up now and be independent. You can have your own book. You can make your own film. And I just love that idea. Just everything is available to us in, in front of us. And we could actually live in the moment for <laughs> self and do whatever we want, but obviously on, on the positive path. You know, I can't help it. I need to ask you this question. So tell me, what is your book of the future that you haven't read yet? And what is your best read in the past that you have? And obviously, you're an author, you have 11 books, but maybe there's another book that you've read uh, outside of your own that you think is quite amazing. But I'd love to hear your voice about the future of, you know, uh, writing in a sense where if uh, you were getting these amazing awards for, for writing, what book has not been written yet? By me or by someone else? Either or. <laughs> Either. I'll take it. I'm, I'm just looking for that amazing book uh, in the future. So, well, let's put it this way. The book that you would love your great-grandchild to read, 
that's part of your legacy. I'm looking for a legacy. It could be your a legacy or any writing. Just because everything is changing, so Tracy, that uh, sometimes we, you know, we need to look at the future. What 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 is that going to look like for um, our children when we're thinking about the writings? Uh, is it going to be a short novel? Is it something small? Are we going to be in the space where? Most of us are uh, embracing this whole uh, spiritual balance of mind, body, spirit. Or do you think there are going to be more self-help books? Or I, I don't know. Um, you're a beautiful expert in this space, and maybe you haven't thought about it, and that's okay. But uh, if you have any little nuggets you might want to share with us uh, in the space of publishing, well, I am a passionate devotee of the novel. Um, Whoa, I, yeah! I love novels. I, I am not a postmodernist, so when I look oh. at uh, so many of these contemporary novels that where the hero or the protagonist has self-loathing, I am bored. <laughs> I find self-loathing is not redemptive; it is boring. So oh I am not an nihilist. I'm not a postmodernist. I, you know, have moved past that. I think of, you know, I think from post World War II until recently, there's been a lot of like self-loathing, nihilism. I'm done with that. <laughs> I find it boring. So I'm yes. looking for novels and books that open the doors to people's minds. And oh, I love um, it. In terms of books that I've read, I recently read some books by a ther- Jungian therapist named David Rico. And the book that I love the best that he wrote was called How to Be an Adult. And this is about mm. how to be a human being of mature compassion where you are self-empowered and you empower other people and you relate in this sort of honest and mature way. And I just love that book. Oh, my gosh, that's beautiful. That (laughs) is a book that I haven't written that I would want my children and grandchildren to read. In terms of my books, you know, I am really – I love writing historical fiction. I love writing the dystopian books. Um, The next few historical fiction books I have in mind, because Immortal and Broken were both historical novels. I love doing the research. But I'm working on um, doing a lot of research on the Cathars and the siege of Montségur in 1244, um, the genocide (laughs) by the Holy Roman Inquisition. So I've got actually two books planned, you know, with that as a centerpiece. And one of them is kind of, uh, it goes back and forth between the Civil War and the siege of Montségur and the the theme of that book. And I'm still working this book out in my head, and I'll be taking notes for at least a year. But the the theme of that book has to do with prejudice and with... um, Awesome. You know, I think that how we have to get rid of discrimination and replace mm-hmm. it with discernment and mm. um, tolerance. And so Excellent. That, oh. So that is the book that I hope it achieves my goals for it. And if it does, then that will be the book that I've written that I want my grandchildren to read. Oh, you're incredible. Just love you. Love you. So hold uh, uh, for a moment, and we're going to break for commercial, and uh, we're speaking with... Tracy L. Slatten, an amazing author and publisher. So stay tuned. We shall return in a moment. Thank you. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? 
If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. What makes you a success? Is it your business or career? Is it your family and social life? How do you achieve the next level in your success? Tune in to Infinite Success Radio with host Rachel O'Brien Eddy. Rachel and her amazing guests are here to encourage, inspire, and empower you to take control of your destiny and achieve the level of success you were born to reach. How do ordinary people become extraordinary? Find out with Infinite Success Radio, broadcasting live every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You're tuned in to the Wellness Lounge, a step further with host Desiree Watson. To find out more about our programs, please visit our website at www.wellnessinteractive.com. That's wellnessinteractive.com. Now, back to the show. Thanks for joining us again. We're speaking with Tracy L. Slotten, our fabulous author and publisher. So, uh, Tracy... Tell us more about uh, what you're doing in the future with uh, these books. I, I know that uh, some of them have probably been option at least because uh, they're great. They're great. So uh, do you have uh, uh, any of your books option at the moment? or? Well, there's a lot of things sort of in flux. There's a producer out of... Um, Vancouver, who's, uh, that I met with in LA, and he's interested in the dystopian series, Fall in Cold Light, Far Shore, and the, Ooh. the fourth book of the series I'm working on now, and it should be out, well, in June or July, is called Blood Sky. So that's a paranormal romantic dystopian series. It's very popular with women, um, has wonderful reviews in all the online reading blogs, and, um, and so it would make a great miniseries, and this producer has seen the potential, so he's kind of go, going over the books right now. And I'm hoping wow. to write the screenplay, screenplays for those myself. And uh, Immortal, which was my first novel, you know, was optioned for film a number of times. And it just kind of, a lot of really interesting people saw it. It went to DiCaprio. It went to just a number of people, and it just never gelled. It's what I've seen in, in the film world is that, um, there's this kind of magical thing that happens when the right group of people get together to make a project. And uh, <laughs> so Immortal, I'd love to see. It's one of those, it's a big, sweeping epic, uh, very sad. I think it would win Academy Awards for the actors and for the director. And you know, Wow. So well. do you have uh, an idea of uh, uh, the group that <laughs> you would like to... Uh... Option is, you said it, it takes, uh, usually it takes uh, just a group of people that are meshing together. What, uh, what does that look like for you? Who would you like to play this, uh, this role and who would you like to option? I always say put it out in the universe, you never know. <laughs> right. Well, I, what I, I'd like to see people who are really passionate about it. Um, the original yes. producer 
who had option it the first time really loved it and she you know had a number of things going on and just um she did get another pr- production company interested and then they put it on a shelf for a couple of years which was kind of sad um, but I care more than the specific individuals. It's just people who really get what this book the is passion. about. I, I worked with a producer briefly who wanted to change the title character from Luca Bastardo to Luca Orfanello, and it was clear he just didn't get it. And, <laughs> oh, you know, you can't, you know. Yeah, yeah. So he had a lot of other good ideas, but that was kind of a no-go, no-fly zone for me. Right. Um, but you have your, so your just, final decision on if you're going to move forward uh, with... Well, uh, once I sell the option, you know, I have limited rights. You know, they could turn oh, right, into right. a lounge singer if they want. I hope they don't. So that's oh. what I like. I'd like people who get it, what I was trying to say. You know, the mortal... I always say that every story is an argument for a specific value. And there are two values in Immortal. One is love is the only immortality we can know. And the other value is that art is redemptive. And those are the two oh. values that I'm arguing for with that story, this big sweeping epic, you know, full of love mm-hmm. and passion. And I call it a, a rags to riches to burnt at the stake story. So, <laughs> Wow. And then, you know, Broken, my, the latest novel I did, which is set in occupied Paris from 1938 to 1942, um, that's very sad, but it falls naturally into three acts. It's, it's just already three acts. So it would be, um, it's a little bit, it's, it's very sensual, so I don't know how to keep it, you know, not NC-17 rated, but um, it would be easy to adapt to a movie format because it already falls into three acts. And it turns on those, you know, movements. Mm-hmm. So I think it would be a wonderful, wonderful film, um, but dark because World War II was not a happy time. Right, right. Was not a happy time. Happy time. So I see um, dancing in the tabernacle. What, uh, what, what should we uh, get from you know reading uh, dancing in the tabernacle? I, I, I'd love. To hear more about that, of course, I'm going to read it. <laughs> Just tell well, me more my, about that. That's a book of poetry, and it's. I just took most of those poems had already been published in literary journals, so I just gathered them together and put them into a book. And it's lyric poetry, um, and it kind of sort of dances with spirit and with what it means to be um, a spirit incarnated in the physical form. Hmm. Um, you know, Russell Targ and Ingo Swan talk about, you know, awareness is non-local. Our human awareness is non-local. It's that, you know, hmm. moment when you start to realize you're much more than a physical being. And what does that mean? And how do you play with it? And how do you dance with it? And I think that's kind of the underlying motif of that collection of poems. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, the Art of Life, you wrote this with uh, your husband. Um, yep. He's an amazing sculptor. Well, go ahead. Tell us more about Well, Sabin Howard um, is a classical figurative sculptor, so think Michelangelo, except that Sabin Mm -hmm. sculpts in clay and cast in bronze, but he's famous for his nudes, in particular his male nudes. And we always talk about art, and we always talk about his art and his philosophy of art and sculpture and the figure, 
And one day we were talking, I said, you know, you have to write this down. People (laughs) have to hear this. They have to know this because so much Mm -hmm. of our art culture right now, people don't know. People have been boozled to buy art that they think the only purpose of this is to hang on the wall and get more expensive as time goes by. And they're not getting it about beauty in art, that art can be beautiful, art can inspire you, art can uplift the space you're in. Sculpture was traditionally used within architecture to make the space sacred. And um, Mm. so he had all this information and ideas. And, you know, he's obsessed with the Renaissance and he's obsessed with sculpture. So, you know, our house is filled with a million books on art and sculpture in the Renaissance. (laughs) So we c- collaborated, and not so easy to work with your husband, right. uh, but, <laughs> you know, books might have been thrown, names might have been called, you know, might have been a few spicy interactions, but we got the book out, and people seem to really like it, and it's this beautiful coffee table book, but it's also, the content value is extraordinary, because it's a survey a figurative sculpture from the very, I mean, from the earliest times that we could stand upright and hold charcoal in our hand, we were drawing figures. And from the really? earliest wow. times that we could craft something, that we could create something, we were making figures. You know, think the Venus of Ullendorf, and um, there's there's this Balin Kligol man in Turkey, which is they think is twelve thousand years old, and it's a male nude, mm. and it's very startling. So. You know, from the earliest times, we, we have this fascination with the human figure because we are humans. And right. so this book kind of surveys that. And it also talks about Sabin's work and why the figure is important now, why sculpture is important now, why it's relevant to today. Excellent. Beautiful. Wow. So brings me to The Love of My Life. <laughs> That's one of your books as well, The Love of My Life or The Love of My Other Life. Yeah, The Love of My Other Life. Romantic comedy. It is. It's this sort of bittersweet sci-fi novel. Um, So the main, the protagonist is, Tessa is walking down the street and she sees this homeless guy. She goes to give him some money and and then he's like, calls her by name and grabs her. And his name, he says he's Brian and he follows her around and she thinks he's a crazy stalker and he tells her that in another universe they're married. And so Ah. they go through, they have these few days, and he's only in this, our universe, for five days, four hours, and 22 minutes, and they have this time together, and it turns out that in the other universe, the alternate reality, she died. And so he's built this machine, this device, the Many Worlds device, to travel to our world to find Tessa, to find his wife. What he learns is that the Tessa in our world is not his wife. And she kind of falls for him. So by the end, the roles are reversed. (laughs) She's fallen for him, and he's realized that she's not his wife. And and it's just sort of this bittersweet romantic comedy and battle of the sexes because she thinks he's crazy, and he eventually thinks, you know, he thinks she's nuts. Oh, I love it. So it's kind of the war between the sexes. Very sweet and a little sad. But in the end, in the end, you know, there's this hope. But I don't want to yes, that way. exactly. So you have to read the book to find the hope. Yes, find the hope. I love that. I, I love that idea. We all need hope. So, um, uh, you know, when you're uh, okay, you're helping. You're publishing a book to help people write their own books, or is it? Uh, can you speak more about this? This is how to write, publish, and market your book yourself. Is that going to be a book, a manual, or? 
It is. It's out there as an e-book. I haven't yet put it together as a print book because the information keeps changing. So I was originally published by the ARE Press for Piercing Time and Space and by Bantam for Immortal. Then the big crash happened in 2008, and Bantam turned down the sequel. And I had, went through a few agents. You know, I've written about that in my Huffington Post column. I wrote um, a, a blog a couple of weeks ago, a post for the Huffington Post called The Never-Ending Journey of the Independent Artist. And I kind of detailed my story. <laughs> but eventually I started this small press, and I started, you know, independently publishing and using print-on-demand and e-publishing technologies. And along the way, there was this huge, steep learning curve. So I wrote this e-book, mm-hmm. um, How to Write, Publish, and Market Your Book Yourself Independently, a guide for the courageous, a manual for the courageous and, and persistent, because I wanted to help people um, so they didn't have to go through the, the they did not make the mistakes I made, not mm-hmm. the same huge learning curve, but they would kind of start off saying, oh, this is how to do it, and this is what, like I use Lightning Source, which is part of Ingram for my um, print-on-demand, most of my print-on-demand. I also use CreateSpace. So there's reasons why I use both, and the lightning source interface is just god-awful confusing. And, in fact, it's so confusing they started another um, another interface for independent authors. I think it's called Spark or something. But I was right. early mm-hmm. on using lightning source. So I was trying to show people how to navigate these murky waters of print-on-demand publishing and e-publishing. And, you know, I made a lot of mistakes and it cost me some money here and there. And But I also had victories. And so I was trying yes. to show people <laughs> how to do it and how not to make my mistakes and how to <laughs> capitalize on my victories. So that was part right. of that book. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, wing it a prayer kind of thing. Right, right. Ah, awesome. So tell uh, tell us how to uh, find you. Where are you uh, uh, part of the whole social media platform? I'm, I'm sure you are maybe because you're selling books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, on, I'm uh, on all platforms. You can find me. I have TracyLSlatin.com is my website. I'm on Twitter at, at TracyLSlatin. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I think it's Tracy.Slatin. And I also have an author page, um, which I think is Tracy Lynn Slatin. Uh, so I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Google+. TracyLSlatin. I'm on um, – I have a Pinterest <laughs> account. Uh, uh, I have Excellent. Instagram, Pinterest. Satan mm-hmm. is really good at Instagram, and I am not. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. But my website, <laughs> Tracy L. Flatten, is usually the most up-to-date. Um, and you can, I can be friended on Facebook, followed on Twitter. I keep a right. blog called blogspot.tracylflatten.com. I podcast. So I have podcasts, and I have an iTunes podcast channel. And I recently oh, beautiful. a radio show <laughs> on Blog Talk Radio, which is called Independent Artists and Thinkers. It has a similar idea as you, you do, Desiree, with your wellness lounge a step further, and then I am trying to empower people by giving them models for the independent, out-of-the-box mm-hmm. kind of journey. So, and then I'm on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, so I am Yay! I can be found. I am not hard to find. She can be found everywhere. And, of course, uh, 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 going to your website, you can purchase, purchase the books on your website as well, right? Yes, I have an ebook storefront on my blog and on my website, tracyalflatten.com. And all my books are, you know, you can find them barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com. There are bookstores Beautiful. that um, have my books in them. Um, okay. Immortal, I think, is everywhere. There's, I'm doing yeah. a big library outreach campaign right now to get 
Parvati Press books in libraries. So my books are can easily are available everywhere. They're available, and I try to keep my ebook prices low. I think the big traditional companies are overpricing their ebooks. They're pricing them at like eight ninety nine and nine ninety nine. I think that's too expensive. So my most of my ebooks are two ninety nine, and some of them are. Thank $9. you. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today as well. Uh, unfortunately, oh, I could talk to you, speak with you forever for another hour or two, but please come back and join us, Tracy. It's well, thank been you for having just, me on, uh, Desiree. Fascinating, I really uh, had fun. I'm sorry. Thanks so much for joining us this week for the Wellness Lounge, A Step Further. Please tune in next Monday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or our replay Saturday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel for another great show featuring your host, Desiree Watson. We'll continue to show you how to incorporate a wellness lifestyle and live a better life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.